CT, let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, cutoffs and coffee, episode 10. We have made it to double digits. James and I are here, James, CT, and Dr. Nick Wilson, all with our coffee mugs. A uh, little, uh, little bit about today's guest, which we're, which we're really excited to talk about. Um, I once knew him as a former high school wrestling standout and an Indiana University freshman. He is now the owner of Indy Family, Family Chiropractic and Wellness and a limited partner of Max Living. He's also a loving husband and a loving father. Everybody welcome Dr. Nick Wilson. Dr. Nick, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? Hey, thanks, CT. Yeah, doing well, man. Thank you. Great to see you. Where are you at now? It looks a little uh, nicer than where James and I are stuck inside. Yeah, so I'm actually, at, I'm actually at the lake right now. So if you see people walking around and like my kids yelling in the background, it's because there's like nowhere to go here. So uh, doing my best here. But yeah, at the lake right now. So Awesome. Looks like everybody's out there getting some good vitamin D, That's getting right. their exercise in. That's right. That's awesome, yeah. man. Um, for everybody who doesn't know, you know about you, why don't you tell us a little bit about, a little about what you're doing, a little, about, uh, a little bit about your background. Yeah, so um, I'm owner of Indy Family Chiropractic, Indy Family Wellness, and so we, well, I'm, a, um, I'm a limited partner with Max Living, and so uh, what that means is that we're part of a network of doctors who are trying to change the paradigm of health right now in this country, and as, as, we, as we know right now, you know, common sense isn't really so common anymore when it comes to health, and, uh, and, and the reality is, is that there's a lot of um, government control and pharmaceutical control of the uh, health of an individual right now and a lot of people are really struggling with their health on multiple medications right now the average person now takes 12 medications on a yearly basis fills 12 prescriptions every single year and the reality is is that struggling with their health five out of six people if they die of a disease it's either heart disease or cancer people on opioids on drugs and we just know that there's a better way better life and so that's what we're you know here to do is like max living doctors it's really educate people on true health, what that really means, and really to regain their health, regain their life. Yeah, so if that doesn't get you guys fired up for what we're about to talk about, you might want to listen to that again, because all that is perfect stuff. That's exactly the things that James and I have been preaching for a long time. So James, why don't you start us off with this? I'm really excited to get, uh, to get into this with Nick. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, just hearing that intro, I think, leads up to this question, you know, perfectly um you know at, at some point in your either early career or during college did you have a paradigm shift in in either thinking coaching or learning that kind mm -hmm. of set you on a certain path that that you're that you're on now um from a career standpoint or from an interaction with your clients yeah great great question james so i was a personal trainer at one point and uh you know, what I, what I found is uh, before I was a doctor, I was a personal trainer, educating people, trying to help them eat well, exercise. And, uh, and, and then all, all of a sudden, I str started struggling with my own health. And uh, it's almost embarrassing. It's kind of a lot of shame behind that because, you know, it's supposed to be like the definition of health. And then all of a sudden, you're really struggling. And I remember having such bad bowel issues that I couldn't make it through personal training sessions without having to run to the bathroom. And it ended up being you know, 12 to 15 times a day, I was running to the bathroom, ended up with blood in my stool, um, first diagnosed with, with uh, ulcerative colitis, and they thought I had Crohn's disease, and um, went through the, the gamut of medical tests and saw five different specialists, and, uh, and really just no answers. Every time I'd ask questions like, why, you know, why am I struggling with this? What's going on here? I'd get answers like, well, you either have bad genes, or it's just bad bugs, or, you know, just could be bad luck, but either way, the, 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 the solution was always a pill. And it was, uh, take this, and I'd ask questions like, how long should I take it? And they're like, well, this, this, this is something you do for the rest of your life. And really, I just, I, I, I grew up in a medical family, so it was not a big deal. I took the medications. I did that for three straight years. I took all their advice to a T, and I really wanted to beat this. And so um, everything that they gave me, I did, and including whatever nutritional recommendations that they I proposed and um, three years later still had all the same bowel issues the blood in the stool ended up getting worse and um, I just realized at one point after meeting with several doctors that um, if I continue on this path this is going to be a lifetime of chasing my tail this is a medical merry-go-round that I really felt like I couldn't get off of and um, and the reality is is that I, I feel like a lot of people now struggle with their health they are on a, a merry-go-round that they really feel like they can't get off of, but they've never really even been exposed to a different way of thinking and living. And for me, it was, um, you know, a friend of mine at the time that just finally kind of snapped me out of it by saying, listen, 
there's a different approach, a different way. I kept saying, I've tried everything at this point. And he said, well, you, you've tried everything medically. There's a different side of that coin. Um, there's a different way. And he introduced me to, uh, at the time it was called Maximize Living. And his doctor and his doctor's name was Dr. David Erb. It's a pretty good name for like a natural doctor. Right? <laughs> yeah, I would say so. And, uh, and yeah, I found out what was causing my problems. I had, um, I was severely toxic. I was eating all the wrong foods. I was inflamed. I had a 12 degree curve in my spine and right in the area that was the worst part of my spine. If you know anything about physiology with the spine, the spine's there to protect the nerves. And right where those nerves go are the ones that directly feed bowels and also you know, small intestine, large intestine, elimination, all of that. And uh, he just stepwise walked me through how to correct that, how to eliminate uh, the toxins that I've been exposed to, the to toxicity that I had uh, accumulated over time, how to eat the right foods. And you know, six months into it, you know, my bowel issues started to go away after nine months. I had no more blood in the stool. I was completely regulated off of all of my medications. And you know, fast forward 15 years later, here I am. You know, no medications. I think about the fact that I have no issues now, and uh, and and it's really what shaped me and what made me pursue, you know, a different way. And uh, it's what caused me to open up, you know, Max Living Indie and do everything that we're doing now. Now that's a that's a long time um, to to buy into something without, you know, you said it took you about six months before you mm -hmm. you noticed any any changes. Um, what were some of the kind of thought processes dur during that time that like kept you going on this on this path yeah. that you know isn't necessarily conventional? Right. Um, was there doubt? Was there you know? What oh, was James, there? I was so skeptical. I come from a very medical family, so if like. Growing up, if I had a uh, ear infection, I, I'm on an antibiotic, right? If I had a, if my fever goes up, it's an antipyretic. So like I just, I grew up in a very medical family where drugs were just a normal thing, but also like the idea of a quick fix, which I want to challenge that idea that, of a quick fix, because the, the reality is I always thought there was such thing as a quick fix, but um, what I now know is that just covers up symptoms and delays the problem. And, uh, and so, you know, at first I started going through this, you know, down this path. And, um, you know, I never had like symptoms outside of bowel problems, but all of a sudden here I am like struggling with now back pain and just a little bit of headaches and like six weeks into it, I'm like, man, I am done with this. Like they were all right about you guys. You guys are quacks. You guys have no idea what you're doing. Um, I'm getting worse. And, you know, I'm, uh, thankfully he just, just walked me through it. And he's like, listen, you were a personal trainer. How many people when you were training people uh, got sore after their first couple of training sessions? How many people were like really struggling and had weight loss resistance and just could not get over that hump? And, and what, what was your advice to them? It's like, well, okay, that makes total sense because you got to stick with it. It's the right thing. When you know it's something right, you got to stick with it and just keep going after it until you break through. And, uh, and I, you know, I'm just really thankful that uh, I had someone solid who was able to coach me through that because at the end of the day, if I would have quit, uh, be, you know, when it was hard, I would have never had a breakthrough. Yeah. And that reminds me of the style of training that we run with a lot of our college athletes, because it's not comfortable in the beginning. Um, and it, it really isn't comfortable at any point, but it's, it's more so of like understanding that like I am going to be uncomfortable constantly and mm -hmm. not necessarily there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but there's progress to be made and continual progress to be made. Yeah. Um, right. Do you feel like that, that, gave you a certain amount of empathy with what you're doing now for the clients that you're working with, that you're able to relate, relate with them a little bit better from your story? Well, and the reality is when I meet with people, um, it's the same story, whether it's bowel issues or back pain or neck pain or it's sciatica or it's um, simple shoulder problems or frozen shoulder, something like that. It's that, that, that healing happens over time. It, it, it's, there's, no, there's no such thing as quick fix when it comes to natural healing. Um, because there just really isn't one. And you got to give the body time to rebuild, rejuvenate, and repair. What's amazing about the body, once you start understanding this and studying this, is that your body is constantly recycling itself. And so every, every 120 days, you get a whole new set of red blood cells. You know, every six months, you get a whole new stomach lining. You know, between every nine months and a year, you get a whole new set of cells that make up your skin cells. And so the reality is that your body's constantly rebuilding, it's rejuvenating, it's repairing, it's it's using the nutrients that you put into to make it what it is today. And so just understanding that that is constantly happening and recycling, it's just, once you understand that, it makes total sense to give the body a chance and give it time. Um, but we know healing happens outside of our comfort zone. 
you know, when we, when we stay in our mm -hmm. comfort zone and we, and we don't break through and we don't get out of that comfort zone, that there's no chance outside of a miracle that we can, we can heal. But if we get outside of our comfort zone, start doing things, we can't keep doing the same thing that got us there. Right. And so that's one thing that I, I really had to understand is that I caused this, you know, my, my, my problems that I was having, like I, I caused this, there's a level of responsibility that I think we all have to take responsible for when it comes to our own health, where we are. And whether it's health or finances or it's our relationship or spirituality, it's like, I cause this. Where I am right now is my fault. And that's hard for some people to hear, especially when you, um, you, know, you have a, a, a more grim diagnosis or something like that. But understanding that between 95 and 98% of all disease process is not genetic. It's purely what we do. It's lifestyle. And so understanding that it, it helps you to, yes, confront the brutal facts, but also then take full responsibility. You know, people have a hard time understanding that, like you mentioned, it took us, in our case, 30 years to get to this point. It mm -hmm. took you 40 years, 50 years to get to this point, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to take a long time to kind of rewrite the things that we've done, done for that long. And you mentioned before you got into all this, you, you thought you were healthy, you were fit, you were strong, you were a personal yeah. trainer. Um, you know, healthy to some people is having six pack abs healthy to some people is right. being able to run a sub six minute mile healthy mm -hmm. to some people is only eating McDonald's on the weekend, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's got kind of this different idea of what healthy is. Mm -hmm. What is healthy? What does the word healthy? What does being healthy? What does that mean to you? It's a really good question. Uh, Colin. So like, here's the thing is that we all know somebody who ate well, exercised, looked great and still ended up with cancer. We all, we all know people like that. We all know people who seemingly did all the right things and then uh, and, and still had heart disease or had a heart attack. And so it can't just be eating well, exercising or, or looking or feeling good. And so one of the most common answers, if I ask 100 people, what does it actually mean to be healthy? Um, 98 of them are going to say, well, you know, I judge my health based off of how I feel. Well, the challenge with that is that you don't actually feel problems as they're developing. So think about this. Think about heart disease. Think about cancer. I mentioned five out of six Americans die of either heart disease or cancer if it's a disease. How do those things feel as they're develop developing? You don't, you don't feel those things. You don't, I mean, that's why they call them silent. You know, 70% of the time, the very first symptom of a heart attack is the heart attack itself. So when you understand that the, the, if that's the case, and the very first symptom of a heart attack is the heart attack, that means that's been developing over time. Same thing with cancer. You don't feel cancer developing that happens over time and then you get the diagnosis. And so if we don't feel these things developing, then that means what? It means that that's, you cannot judge your health by how you feel because you might feel good yet still be developing cancer. Were you healthy when you were developing cancer? And that's really a critical question that we have to ask. And so, you know, when it comes to health, you know, the, the reality is our body is designed to function 100%. And when, when our body is functioning at 100%, that's, that's true health. But there's a scale. I like, to, I like to call it the vitality continuum because there's the scale between 0% function and 100% function. 100% function is 100% life. 0% function is, is obviously death, yeah? And so let's call this your heart. You could get down to 90% function, you not feel a problem. You get down to 80% function, you still don't feel it. You get down to 70%. You have to get all the way down to 60% function, and then you get a symptom. And then if we get a symptom, what are we taught to do with a symptom? Like, let's call it a headache. Like, what's a, what, what do most people take for a headache, guys? Ibuprofen. Ibuprofen. So here's, yep. here's the question. Is the, is, is, the cause of the, is the cause of headache a lack of ibuprofen in the bloodstream? Or, or if, like, let's say you get an indigestion. What do you take for indigestion? Like a purple pill or whatever it is. So is the cause of indigestion the fact that, you know, you don't have, you know, uh, the, the purple pill in the bloodstream or you get uh, your all of a sudden your cholesterol goes up and now your 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 inflammation is up and everything and so and so it, is the fact that you have high cholesterol the fact that God forgot to put Liptor, Zocor, Crestor, Simvastat in the bloodstream it's not, it's not the cause of the problem but what you know what I'm finding is that people are starting to wake up and ask good questions like what's causing my problems what's causing my health issues what's causing my headaches what's causing my blood pressure to go up and up and up and up and I get a blood pressure pill it goes down down a little bit I forget to take the dang thing and it goes up higher than it was to begin with. Like what actually caused that? I want to know that. I don't want to just, I don't want to, if I have back pain, I don't just want to take the, like the steroid injections. I don't want to just, um, I don't want to just mask the symptoms and do the uh, muscle relaxer pain injection, anti-inflammatory. I don't want to just do that. I want to know what's actually causing my problems. People really are starting to wake up. So when it comes to our, like, what's the real definition of health? If you actually look at the root word of health, 
the real definition of health is in the word. It's how, how is your body healing? How's it functioning? So when your body's healing and functioning at a hundred percent, you, your body can actually overcome these things. Like think about, um, think about, uh, your immune system. The immune system is a hot topic right now because of everything that's going on. Your immune system, when your immune system is functioning and healing at a hundred percent, you don't have to fear a virus. You don't have to fear just the common, you don't have to fear these things because your body is pre-programmed. It's equipped, even cancer. Think about cancer because that C word is something that's pretty scary for a lot of people. Did you know you have immune system cells? They're all is to seek out, surround, and destroy cancer cells on a day in and day out basis. That's exactly what's happening inside of you. It's happening inside of me. You know, it's as long as our bodies are functioning and healing at 100%, that we don't actually have to live in fear of our own body because our body's doing the right thing at the right time. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, I have this written down from another uh, talk I, I heard you give, and you said, Who's to say what our body can do when it's functioning and working optimally? The body works best when there's no interference. Right. And I mean, that's, I think, a, a great way to kind of, um, you know, put together what, what you just said there. What, what are we doing? Why are we doing things to, you know, throw interference in mm -hmm. the way of healing us? Well, it's really the non-interference model of health. So if you really think about it, if you, if, if you were to, you and I, let's say we were to take, uh, take 100 people and they're struggling with diabetes, they had their own blood pressure medications, they're struggling with the common things that Americans struggle with let's say throw in a couple who have, you know, thyroid problems and take them and, and, and you and I were going to take them and we we're going to go on a deserted Island and we we're going to do we we're going to uh, be on this deserted Island and we we're going to train them. We we're going to nourish them. We we're going to feed them we're on a deserted Island. So we have no access to anything, but we did have access to good sunlight. We had access to a, you know, good quality nutrition. We're going to make sure these people are getting adjusted on a regular basis. They're exercising, they're doing all the right things. I would guarantee that let's say 99% of those people are going to heal from their chronic disease. And, and that, it might sound like a bold statement, but I think you, you get it. Like, let's take a hundred people. Let's mm -hmm. do the experiment, put them on the Island. Let's just keep them there for 90 days and let's do the right things. And what does the right things mean? It means, Hey, let's make sure that our mind is right. We have a growth mindset. We, we believe our bodies to be capable of healing. Um, our nutrition is, is, is spot on that we're eating foods that are from the earth or what some people call food by God versus food by man. So we're eliminating processed food, uh, making sure that we're minimizing toxins, which on a deserted island, you're going to be, obviously mm -hmm. you're getting oxygenation of your tissue and, and building lean muscle, which you guys are experts at. And you're making sure your nervous system is functioning at hundred percent. Your brain is connected to your body at 100% and you take somebody and you just, implement these essentials and we call them essentials because they are essential to life and in max living this is the essentials for the body to heal and you just make sure that this is happening on a regular basis over the course of let's call it 90 days well what what's going to happen well that person's going to heal and i mean this is why we see so many miracles is for this reason is because people when somebody fully integrates those essentials to health well that's what that's when you see the crazy stuff start to happen that's when you see them get off of medications you see people reverse chronic disease and you see them not only like get off of like you know their opioids because their back pain but literally they're they're rebuilding rejuvenating their their body's repairing at a higher level now i i know you've talked about the five essentials of health and wellness i didn't hear i know you reviewed a couple of there i didn't hear um mcdonald's <laughs> to go food um which seems to be essential to us right now which is something that has been open this entire time and seems to be essential um, touch, yeah. a, touch, touch a little more on, uh, first of all, how ridiculous that is, but also, you know, uh, the, the five essentials to health and wellness, um, what you believe to be those and, and what um, we should all take in as the five essentials. Yeah. So just picture a plant. So a plant just needs a couple of things to thrive, right? So it needs good sunlight, good, need, needs good soil, needs, needs water, right? But if you deprive the plant of any one of those things, most plants, I understand there's like nightshades and stuff like that that I don't fully understand, but uh, you deprive a plant of any one of those things, what's going to happen? The plant's going to not thrive. It's going to eventually die. And so our bodies are the same way. So it ne we need good, healthy. Uh, one is nutrition, which you talked about McDonald's. Like the food that we put in actually makes up our cells tomorrow. So the food that is, are, when, we, when, it, when we eat food, we need to really ask the question, is this, is this blessing my body? This is becoming a part of me. Like, what do I want to become a part of me? And if you actually look at the ingredients of most foods, you'll find that most of them are actually not food. 
And what's really interesting is that when you, when you, when you look at packaged food, you'll find a lot of ingredients that look like it belongs in a chemistry lab. And so, you know, one of the, one of the concepts here is if it looks like it belongs in a chemistry lab, it probably does, you know, you know, it, you don't, you know, there's a couple of things like just rules that we have for ourselves that uh, we shouldn't break and everyone's going to be different. You know, for me, I'm at the lake right now and uh, driving up here. I was really hungry. I, I, I drove up here uh, yesterday and it was pretty late and I didn't have dinner. And I'm like, man, I really need to need some food, but there's really no, nothing between here and, 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 and Indianapolis. But there's never a thought in my mind where I'm going to stop at a gas station, right? Um, <laughs> because, you know, you don't fuel your body with the stuff at the same place where you fuel your car, right? It's just a non-negotiable for me. Like, I'm never going to do that. It's just not, not going to happen. And so there's got to be some rules or some uh, non-negotiables that we have for ourselves. And everyone's going to be a little bit different for what that looks like. But, you know, the common person right now is still going through, fat, you know, still going through the fast food line, still going to go through the drive-thru. And so it might be if it comes through a window, it's not real food. You know, so whatever that looks like for you, whatever that, whatever that might be for you in that time, but um, we got to have some non-negotiables. So back to the essentials. So we have to have good, healthy nutrition, minimize toxins. Toxins are everywhere. We're exposed to between um, 3,000 to 5,000 different uh, food additives and colors and, and chemicals every single year. And uh, that number has risen over the years. The FDA has approved so many different food additives and colors and chemicals Many of, many of them are known carcinogens, which means it's known to cause cancer. And someone would say, well, that just means it's known to cause cancer in animal studies. But listen, they can't, they can't do those studies on people. So you know, the fact that they did them on animals and it caused cancer in animals, you can directly apply that to humans because they're never going to do that study. It's unethical. So just knowing that, that uh, we need to be counting chemicals more than we count calories and understanding that. So we minimize toxins. Make sure that we're building lean muscle and, uh, and, and, and make sure we're taking in oxygen, which again, that's, that's exercise, that's high intensity interval training, that's surge training, that's burst training, whatever you want to call it. Um, but making sure that we're oxygenating our body, we're breathing hard, we're sweating on a daily basis, you know, and whatever that might look like, it might look different for everyone seasonally. And somebody might do the extra, you know, the exercise like you guys do at T3 and do, you know, the high intensity stuff and, and go at it hardcore. And then that other person might be 200 pounds overweight and they might just have to go on walks for a bit, you know, mm -hmm. and they're going to be sweating and they're going to be panting and they'll be working hard, but it just might be different for uh, some people. So, um, so we covered nutrition, we covered uh, minimizing toxins, we covered exercise, making sure our body is connected to our brains, connecting to our body at 100%. So the nervous system controls all healing, all functioning inside the body. And so that's where, you know, I think it's a missing link in healthcare because the reality is our spine protects our nervous system. And when our spine's out of bad position or bad alignment, they impact wherever those nerves go. But most people, when you say that to them, they're like, man, what, what the heck does that mean? Where's that coming from? How, how do I know that to be accurate? But just study anatomy and physics and look how powerful your brain and spinal cord is. It's incredible. And that's important to have great alignment, make sure your nerves are functioning at 100%. And the last thing is just a healthy mindset. And we, we call that a growth mindset. And there's, uh, if you ever read Carol Dweck's book, um, Mindset, I think that's a really important book for everyone to read, especially if, you've got, if you have kids. Uh, training your kids up to um, understand and have a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. I think she does the best job of explaining that. Growth mindset means that, hey, I'm, I'm, I welcome a challenge. I welcome opportunity. Um, who I am today is not who I'm gonna be tomorrow. I'm constantly growing and developing versus that person who's, uh, I am who I am. My genes play my role and uh, whatever disease I have is what I have. And this is the type of person that says, my diabetes, which that's a dangerous place to be in. My diabetes, when you link your diabetes, your current health condition to a permanency, that's so dangerous because it means that if you, if you label yourself to have diabetes or say my diabetes, it means you plan on keeping it. And so again, it's, it's, a, it's a fundamental understanding of, hey, just where you are right now is not your permanent destination. And uh, who you are today is probably not who you're going to be tomorrow. Just understanding that and constantly growing and developing. There's, but a, Nick, lot of, there's a lot of really, uh, really good, you know, nuggets in there. And, you know, I, we probably could have an episode on each one yeah. of the topics and, and dive more into those. 
um, you know, considering that our audience um, is, is going to be mostly people in the strength world, either coaches, athletes, or parents of athletes, mm -hmm. um, maybe if we could dive into one of those areas a little bit more that we get asked probably the most about um, is, is, is nutrition and looking at it, look, mm -hmm. looking at our nutrition is, um, and, and kind of some of these topics, all of these topics, I guess, you know, if we look at individual responsibility, um, mm -hmm. you know, the way I like to look at responsibility, it's my ability to respond to what's going on around me. Um, you mentioned avoiding gas stations and, and having some, you know, some rules, um, that, that you live by. Um, you know, what mm -hmm. would, what would advice, um, you, you might give to some athletes who travel a lot, um, who, yeah. who are playing in, in multiple games over the mm -hmm. weekend, um, what are some things that they can do to prepare to respond to when they have back-to-back -back games um, from yeah. a nutritional standpoint? Yeah, really good question there, James. So, you know, I went to Rio with 2016 uh, Olympics with USA Wrestling, USA Judo, uh, weightlifting, and also um, track and field sprinters. And, um, and, and so we're on the, I'm, on, I'm on the wellness council for uh, – USA and I when you actually look at the top performing athletes they are so dialed in when it comes to nutrition and so when it comes to nutrition it's it, it, what it, what's so important there is and what you see at the top performing athletes is that um, they are so dialed in and they are incredibly meticulous when it comes to what they're putting in their body they understand that food is fuel and everything that they're putting into their body actually affects their performance. And so, you know, preparing is key here. And so this is um, what I think a lot of people miss is that it, it, a, a plan, you know, what, what is the saying? A goal without a plan is a plan to fail. Right. And so if, uh, if you're not planning when it comes to your nutrition, um, you're just planning to fail when it comes to your performance. And so, let's say you have back-to-back -back games. Well, what, what does that look like as far as your, your feeding times? What does that look like as far as the nutrients that you put into your body? Um, you know, when it comes to endurance, like, an, and when it comes to strength, when it comes to endurance, you have to, you have to time that right and, uh, and, and be intentional there. But more so, you have to make sure that you're fueling your body with uh, nutrients that your body's actually going to utilize instead of, again, processed food that uh, eventually it's just going to expose and, and cause problems anyway. Um, you, you get different philosophies when it comes to timing of food. And so I'm not going to get too far into like timing of that. You, you should know your body and know uh, when um, and, and how it responds to certain nutrients. Um, the best way to do that is uh, in training. So feed during training, you feed yourself like your performance. And so you've got to get in tune with your body, what that means to yourself, what that looks like. And so when you're in training, you know, plan in training, uh, time, your, time your meals in training as if you're going to go into the performance. And then again, be in tune with your body. There's this intuitive eating, which is like meaning that, um, hey, this might be right for one person, but wrong for the next. And so you, got, you have to know your body. You have to be very in tune with your body. But the only way you get that is with practice. So nutrition with practice is going to be your most important thing there. And then you apply the principles and practice to the actual training ground. And again, that's how it's, it's tinkering and it's developing over time, but that's how you get really dialed in when it comes to day of performance. In, you know, most, most of the time the kids want um, a different answer. They want how many calories um, right, I know. should I eat? And it's, that's a question that I don't think I've answered because I just won't. Um, could you kind of <laughs> dive into that a little bit more in terms of like, either where, you know, where this whole calorie thing came from or, right. or what's a way you kind of explain that, um, you know, I don't do a good job of explaining why I don't believe in calories, but I think maybe right. hearing, hearing you talk about a little bit more might give me some insight in these conversations that we have with kids. Well, the, the idea of just, of just counting calories when it comes to, uh, especially kids, kids do not need to count calories. What's that? What the, what my concern with that is, um, what are we training our kids to do? Be obsessed with counting of calories and looking at the, uh, the, not only just the nutritional value, but just how many calories are actually in here. And now they're playing this game already where they're like calories in versus calories out and they have to already calculate food. We, we should not be training our kids to look at food as a calculation of what's going to happen to them if they eat it meaning that they're either going to gain weight, lose weight, or is it enough to, to get them by? No, 
listen, food is fuel. And when you look at food as fuel and not just um, as, as caloric expenditure, and you listen to your body, we really need to be training our kids how to listen to their own body, um, listen to hunger signals. Are they hungry? Are they not hungry? Is it time to eat? Is it not time to eat? Again, these things happen with, uh, with, with training. And again, the higher level athlete you get, the more likely it is that they're going to be more in tune with these types of things. Um, but parents, man, we really don't need to helicopter parent when it comes to the calories that our kids are eating. We need to be helicopter parenting on what they're actually consuming. Because if you actually go to most sporting events and you see what is being given, because let's face it, I mean, I've got kids, I've got a, a three-year-old and eight-year-old. Most, most of the time when you go to these events and there's one person in charge of the, you know, the food, the, the snacks and stuff like that, man, the stuff that they're giving them is just complete garbage. It's chemicals. It's, there's lots of different processing of the food. It's just, you know, then the, then the drink is Gatorade and it's high fructose corn syrup. And it's got all, all these problems. So if you actually look at the quality of the content of the food more than the uh, content of the calories, you're, you're winning there. And so start, start with that more than anything else. I think that's great advice that kind of ties into a post that you had. And I, I think it, it said something along the lines of um, what's good for the individual is usually good for the whole, um, something right. along those lines. Um, and, and people don't like that answer because it forces them to look at their individual actions and, and what those actions will actually lead to, um, as opposed to, well, this person said 2000 calories and that's what I did. So right. I must be an individual that, you know, needs a different answer. Well, there's no one size fits all nutrition. There's no one size fits all healthcare. There's one, there's no one size fits all anything, even fitness. So it's like knowing that you're like, you guys would not put the same program in for every single person um, in, in the world. That's just as a, as a broad example. Yeah. Well, the same thing, same thing with healthcare, same thing with nutrition. There are certain concepts that we can utilize and, and across the board and people can uh, utilize but that's why an individual approach, an individual understanding, and then just, and don't forget to turn on your brain when it comes to these things. You're going into any type of situation when it comes to healthcare, when it comes to your nutrition, you got to keep your brain on because the minute you turn off your brain, you stop thinking on these things is the minute that you start going down a rabbit trail and you just wonder how, how in the world did I get up here, get here? And, uh, and, and how, how did I end up on a couple of different medications or how did I end up on you know, how did I end up gaining 12 pounds or whatever it is? It's like, well, that happened over time. That happened um, many times just because of a lack of being dialed in, tuned in, and understanding uh, along the way. So you're telling me, and, I'm, and I'm, I bring this up because I'm working uh, two weeks of youth football camps. Okay. So you're telling me the best snack during a three-hour camp is not fruit roll-ups, Pop-Tarts, mm. I actually saw a crepe, a to-go crepe, and it was, it was right. uh, you know, tortilla wrapped in chocolate with caramel. It was one of the craziest things I've seen. I, I am not a parent. You are a parent. James is mm -hmm. not a parent. It must be hard to get children going and out the door in the morning with what they need to take to their camp or to take to their friend's house. What can parents do who are listening right now to be able to understand what they're doing for their children by the snacks they're giving them, yeah. by the response that uh, it takes for children to eat certain foods. Um, mm -hmm. what, can, what can parents take out of this, Nick, for, for you, like being a parent of young children? Um, right. What can we give them? What's some things that they can, they can take out of this that will help their kid long-term when it comes to situations like that? Well, you're 100% right, is that that's the common story is, and that's the common nutrition. And so the parents that's gonna, and you have to understand this, that if you choose this route, you are gonna be different. And just, you got to be okay with that. Your, your kid is going to um, show up um, different and um, that, that child probably should be prepared for that, that other kids are going to be eating cookies. Other kids are going to be eating the fruit roll-ups and everything that you just described. And so this isn't, this isn't like a one-time thing where you pop this on your kid and you say, Hey, go to football practice or you go to the gym or whatever it is. And, and this is what you're going to now be eating because that child is now going to be and feel like that child, that child's going to feel deprived more than anything else. Mm -hmm. And so this takes a concerted effort, takes being on the same page with the why. Why are we choosing this route? Because if a child is not on the same page, the child's going to get there and then trade, his kid, trade the kids for whatever he has, right? I mean, it's going to trade snacks. I mean, at the end of the day, you can't force your kids to, especially as the older they get, they're not going to be eating this, those, those things. So being on the same page philosophically with an understanding of 
you know, my, my, my eight-year-old right now, he thinks, um, <laughs> well, okay. So he thinks like sugar is the devil and he thinks that people who eat it are bad people. <laughs> it's not like, um, not like we're like brainwashing him, but just like, he just doesn't understand it. Like why, why do people eat this stuff? Cause he understands that like sugar feeds cancer. We know that sugar decreases the immune system up to four hours after consuming it. So he's wondering like, okay, everyone's concerned about their immune system right now. Why are they still eating sugar? Like he literally asked these types of questions. Why, why are the fast food, like we, there's a McDonald's right by our house. And he's like, why, why are people still going there? He doesn't understand it. He's like, wait, wait, we're, we can't go to church, but that's still open. Uh, he, he just doesn't understand it. And so philosophically, just training our children that, hey, what, what we put into our body becomes our body. What we put into our body is fuel to our body. It has a profound effect on our future. And getting on the same page philosophically there first. So getting the why first. And then now the, the how is so much easier. You know, if, if you're looking for like, you know, we have so much access when it comes to uh, the internet and everything else to look up the how on, okay, what are some good snacks some good nutrition you can get on maxliving.com and there's a you know we have tons of resources there when it comes to healthy snacks and food and nutrition and recipes and things you can do but you can't put the how before the why so if you get the why Mm -hmm. first dial that in first then the how becomes pretty easy and then i think uh, i was gonna say james real quick i think we just found our next podcast guest i think dr nick wilson's eight-year-old is going to be our next podcast guest, so we can have a conversation there that would be awesome uh, and figure yeah. out what it took for for him to learn that go ahead James. I, isaiah would have some fun with that by the way <laughs> um i was i was just at a, at, a, at a client's house um training him and like we stopped in the middle of the workout and he's like hey man i've been working with this mental mental coach um for a little while now since i've been in the nfl i gotta play you this clip um and, and it was a video clip that he sent to, to my client um, talking about, hey, now is the time in the off season we hone in on the why. Because if mm-hmm. you don't know why you're playing football, that's right. then we're not going to have a successful off season. So mm-hmm. let's figure that out. Um, that's right. and, and that's an overarching thing that anybody can take to what, what they're doing on a daily basis that just takes a, a little step back from, from, their, from their current action or current you know, situation. And let me take a step back. Let me look at why. Well, and if you don't you have the why, then any of those five essentials. Yeah. That, that well, and if you don't have the why, it's so easy to bail before you get there. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, just in your guys' world, just in, in, in training. So just think about this. We've all, um, let's just call it lifting weights or whatever it is, running a marathon, whatever it is. So if you don't have a why behind running a marathon, you're going to bail at mile 12 <laughs> when it comes to uh, your training. If you don't have a why when it comes to your training, you're going to bail on that last set. There's no reason to do that last set if there's no big compelling reason why you're going after it. And it's certainly when it comes to achievement, achievement at the highest level, it takes grit. You have, to go, you have to go one step further than the next person. You have to keep training your body to push its limits to find out what you're actually capable of doing. And if you, if you don't keep pushing in and pressing in, then you never really figure out what you're really made of. And so getting to the point where it's at the very end of the day, it's like, I, I put it all on the line. I gave it everything I've ha- I got. Like you don't, you don't do that without a compelling reason why. And so just in training alone, we, you gotta get, you have to identify your why just in order to keep pushing through and pressing on. And again, just because I've had exposure to these guys, the Olympic level athletes, like it's just, a, just such a clear difference. I wish I would have had it, this exposure like back in high school and then going into mm-hmm. I would have this exposure because uh, it's such a clear difference in the understanding of uh, of what you need to do to be successful in that arena. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I, I, I would like to pivot a little bit um, because I would include in those essentials, good, healthy sleep. Yeah, um, yeah. Something that I've been interested in a long time and I've been trying to really figure out the best way to dial in sleep Mm -hmm. and it's so hard because we are living in a world that is full of bright lights and overstimulation and and caffeine um and we we spend a ton of time in the sympathetic nervous system where we're just on all the time right and then i'm supposed to hop in bed at you know 9 9 30 and get Mm -hmm. eight hours of sleep and be able to get up at six and do it all over again the next day um can you talk a little bit from from your perspective about about sleep and how important that is oh man so we have arguments behind the scenes about 
if there was a sixth essential, what would that be? <laughs> and ah. it's, it's, it's conclusive, like sleep is, is, would be like the sixth essential if there was one. And so I agree 100% that uh, it is absolutely essential. Sleep is when your body rebuilds and rejuvenates and repairs. And so think about this. When you sleep, all of your systems in your body decrease. So that your heart rate decreases, respiratory rate decreases, you're not digesting anymore, so that decreases. Yet your nervous system is the one thing that speeds up. So why is that? It's because it's going to work to rebuild and rejuvenate, repair the damage that was done that day. And yet so few people get good sleep. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons why so few people get good sleep now, and this has gotten to be a, uh, a big issue, is what you mentioned is technology. So um, blue light, looking at a screen right before you go into bed, falling asleep with the TV on, looking at your phone right before you fall asleep. That's a big, I mean, that changes your circadian rhythm. You've got a circadian rhythm, a set point, an internal clock um, in your body. And so some people will wear blue light blockers and, you know, and, and wear those before they go to bed. And that's a, that's a good thing. But really what we want to do is we, we want to turn off technology at least an hour before we go to bed. So that's very difficult for most people. You have to be very disciplined in order to do that. One of the ways, the common tip that I have for people is to plug in their phone downstairs or a different place before they actually go into bed. So the phone is actually away from them and they're not using, don't use your phone as an alarm clock. Mm -hmm. And so one of the big reasons why we really don't want to be using our phone as alarm clock a is what do you want to look at? First thing you, you know, you get up in the morning because a lot of people they're flip, you know, open their iPhone or whatever it is. And, uh, and what they look at, they see whatever Facebook came in, the notifications, Instagram or news story, whatever it is, maybe it's a text message or something. That's how they actually start their morning. Really, that's a, not a great way to start your morning. And, um, and we have to have good, healthy morning routines if we want to be successful really in any area of life. Um, but when it comes to our sleep, you know, even just the subtle buzzing noises, you know, they've done studies on this is that uh, they've done studies on, with people with driving, um, driving down the street and um, that bzz, bzz of, the, of the phone um, actually, actually uh, releases hormones within their body. So actually chemicals are released, um, healthy, um, well, uh, hormones that, are, that would create like a happy experience within the body. Wow. And so like that bzz, bzz actually has like a release of happy hormones. Wow. And so it's addicting to actually pull up your phone and look at your phone. And so um, even keeping that away so you don't hear those, those emails that come through or don't hear the text messages that come through. Also, um, putting our phones on airplane mode is also, is also critical. There's more and more studies on EMFs, um, electromagnetic frequencies, um, and just more as 5G gets rolled out here, I think you're going to see this become more and more popular. Um, an understanding of 5G and how that actually influences sleep. Um, so understanding that uh, lights. And so a lot of us, you know, we um, grew up with uh, with like a nightlight or a light on or something like that. Actually, that actually influences melatonin production within the body. And so now you have a lot of people who are melatonin uh, depleted and uh, and deficient. And, uh, and because of their melatonin production that's been off, now they have difficulty sleeping. So some people, you know, when I test people with their nutrients, um, with their nutrients and toxicity, because we do a lot of nutrient and toxicity testing, you'll find a lot of people who have markers of melatonin that are off. And you have people who um, have a lot of nutrient deficiencies like magnesium and things like that, that would play a role in the reason why they're having difficulty sleeping. Um, you combine that with aluminum or mercury or some of these other heavy metals that commonly people are exposed to and have in their systems. It's just a perfect storm to have sleeping problems. Mm. So um, nutrition plays a big role in that. Caffeine plays a big role in that. So, you know, not drinking any caffeine after noon, ideally not being dependent on caffeine at all um, in order to have healthy energy. Um, but I know that's like, that's a, uh, that's like, like right now that would be like, <laughs> um, you say don't drink coffee right now like people won't watch this so i'm not gonna <laughs> right, right, right. they'll just turn it off yeah yeah like screw this guy but uh filming is done before noon everybody yeah right so, right 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 <laughs> right so so the point though is is like you don't want to be you don't want to stimulate your nervous system right before you go to sleep so whatever that looks like for you but ideally you pull that down be uh before noon 
So you're, you're, you're slowly winging yourself down off that and that cortisol. So there's like this, there's, when you look at the science of this is this cortisol continuum or this big graph and it's uh, the cortisol should be going down over time. But when we do caffeine, instead of going down over the course of time and throughout the day, all of a sudden it makes this big spike back up. And now all of a sudden, now you got this person who wakes up at 2 a.m. And, um, and, and wondering why they're waking up at 2 a.m. Partly is because that's when the cortisol kicks back in. Mm. Partly that's because of the, um, the influence of the nervous system. Many times it's because of a stimulant. The other thing that can happen there is if that person's um, consuming sugar at nighttime, maybe it's even wine at nighttime, and all of a sudden they wake up and the, the, the wine sugars are now kicking in and it wakes them up at night. And so this really influences sleep. When you track sleeping patterns, you see this. Um, the, best, the, the best way to decompress yourself when you're going to bed, turning off the TV, turning off the screen time, making sure that you're not consuming sugar after dinner so that after dinner snack um, can many times be detrimental to your sleep. And then just making sure that, um, yeah, you're not necessarily consuming stimulants and, and coffee uh, later in the day. I kind of want to um, ask a more like this is definitely a question for me um, in terms of you know I from a from a chiropractic standpoint um, you know obviously if you were closer it'd be a no-brainer um, but <laughs> what are what are some things that you know people can look for in a chiropractor um, to know that they're not just going to a guy that's going to put a band-aid on their low back pain um, I have athletes that see chiropractors Mm. not not too regularly but i do have a couple athletes that'll see a chiropractor i have a couple clients um, one client that that really likes a guy but you know if i'm going to to search for a chiropractor that i want to just go to to see what are some things that i could look for to know that i'm getting a good service and that it, it's mm -hmm. not just somebody who wants me to keep coming back every week because what the adjustment did was make me feel better until two days mm -hmm. from you know until the next day i train yeah, and to be clear, chiropractic is an art. So it's not going to be the same from one person to the next. And everyone's going to be different with their philosophy and technique. And, you know, in my opinion, anyone who's helping to, um, you know, help that person in a non-drug, non-surgical way to, um, to not only feel better, but to actually be better is someone who's a friend of mine, right? And so just to be clear, when I talk about this, um, I don't want it to um, um, ostracize anyone or make anyone feel bad. But there are differences within chiropractic. And um, there's therapeutic care and there's corrective care. Therapeutic care um, would be more palliative care, which means the means to the end is just helping you feel better, um, but not necessarily correcting the underlying cause of the problem. Um, I think most people seek out chiropractic because they want a natural approach to correct their underlying issue. So they don't have to deal with their issue for the rest of their life. Um, so we really should have some objective evidence that would be uh, corrective. And so one of the ways that I look for when I'm looking for like a friend or family member, someone who needs or a patient who's traveling or something when I'm looking for someone uh, for them is I want to make sure that person's taking x-rays initially, taking re-x-rays to make sure that that uh, problem is improving over time, that the spine is actually correcting over time. Um, we have a network of over 400 doctors nationwide within Max Living that have been certified and I trust. And so my first place that I go is maxliving.com and find out if there's anyone near them. Fortunately, I've had the uh, privilege of, uh, of, of knowing and getting to know many of these doctors. So I can usually tell that this person is, uh, you know, is, uh, I usually know a lot of them. So um, that's the first place that I go. If I don't find it there, then, um, then I have to do the research and find out, does this person take x-rays? Do they take re-x-rays? Are they educating their patients on how to correct the problem? And, uh, and so they have a sustainable way of living for the rest of their life and not just doing a Band-Aid approach uh, to their health. And so that's really what I'm looking for when I'm looking for a doctor, someone who's more corrective care instead of just more palliative, temporary, quick fix. Uh, and again, we already kind of covered the idea of a quick fix that there really isn't such thing. Yeah. Nick, can we, can we self-adjust? You know, when you see people sit and crack their yeah. back or when you're, you know, you wrap your friends and you crack their back or, or, or sit on their back and try to adjust their spine. Is that something we can do? Yeah, really good question. Um, can you can you can you self adjust? And so, what happens there when you um, when when you like self manipulate or you kind of move your head or you crack? You know, people do that. Um, you're actually moving joints that are already hypermobile. So what what that means is that there's certain joints that are already moving too much, 
when you go to do that kind of broad manipulation or someone just kind of cracks your back, you're going to move the things that are already going to move to begin with. And the challenge with that is if it's already hypermobile, that means those ligaments are already overstretched. And the challenge with that is that when you do that, you're going to create a level of uh, ligament laxity. And that's a common place where people start to get arthritis. They get problems there because that really wasn't the problem. The problem is there's a joint that is either is misaligned or not moving correctly that would cause the joints above and below to be hypermobile. And so um, if you're self, if you're self, let's say a self uh, manipulator, uh, there's a lot of people out there like that. Um, mm -hmm. you, you want to find a good corrective chiropractor who can adjust you and then teach you how to do some rehabilitation exercises there um, to have a sustainable pro approach over time. Uh, is that one of my kids back there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was, that was Isaac. <laughs> nice He's little laughing. cameo. Yeah. yeah. That was, just, that was just two seconds of fame right there. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah, so, it, so the reality is that we can't really necessarily, um, you know, self-correct or self-manipulate there. Just, we're going to cause more problems um, than, than not. And so um, really strengthening, stretching, making sure there's the, a good rehabilitation uh, program in place, um, but really making sure someone who's an expert on this is, is, is dialed in on that. Yeah, we just see that so much. I, I know around the gym we see that so often. I, I, I had to, I had to ask that question. Um, yeah, I'm definitely guilty of that. Yeah, yeah, and I, I do it all the time as well. Um, I do have a, a couple questions I want to ask that might just kind of bounce around a little bit, um, and some of the stuff we've talked about a little bit. And I know we can go even further in depth, but we're kind of getting to that hour, and I want to make sure to knock out some some things that I know other people have questions about. Um, First, we talked about nighttime routine and how important that is. And I, I bring this up because James and I had talked about it a couple months ago. We did kind of a live Q&A on, on Instagram and Facebook. And, and that was one of the questions that came up. And we talked about nighttime routines. And, you know, I'd kind of mentioned how I've got these, you know, black light shades in my room. And I wear this big mask on my eyes. And I, mm -hmm. I unplug my Wi-Fi, um, you know, and we both have blue light blocking glasses. And, you know, we kind of do all these things to prepare ourselves for the next morning. How about when it comes to the next, next morning we wake up, um, you know, we had mentioned in our morning routine, we believe in, you know, uh, breath work and gratitude practice and meditation uh, and things like that, hydration early on. Um, what are some tips that you can give people to help their, their morning routine set themselves up for a, a good day, you know, within the first five, 10 minutes of getting out of bed? Yeah. So remember that uh, breakfast is break fast. So, I mean, it's the first thing that you do to break your fast. And so whatever that time frame is for you, for some people, hey, break, um, you know, breaking their fast, you know, it might be 4 a.m. Some people might be 7 a.m. It doesn't really matter the time frame, it, but it does matter what you put in your body first. And so what you fuel your body first thing in the morning is what your body's going to grab onto. It's going to be utilizing, and it's really what's going to be nourishing yourselves. And so when you start your day off, you know, the common breakfast is that, you know, standard American lifestyle is going to be something that's carbohydrate rich. Oh, I didn't even want to hear you. It makes me cringe. You even saying that just thinking about it. It's terrible. So you, you know, the cereals or whatever the, you know, maybe it's pop tarts or waffles, whatever it is, it's, right. it's some pastry or whatever it is. So that's the common story. But, you know, as, as someone who's training their body to perform at its absolute best, um, really what our, what our cells absolutely need in those moments is something that's, uh, you know, protein, it's, it's a good, healthy fat, um, and then life-giving food. So I, I like to do a, a breakfast smoothie. My athletes do breakfast smoothies. Um, the first thing in the morning, they a lot of times make it on their own. It's, um, you know, scoop of whatever type of protein powder. Ideally, it's like whey or plant protein, something healthy, um, a healthy protein. And then, um, and then, uh, and then throw in a handful of spinach leaves, lots of berries, coconut milk, almond milk, um, maybe something that's going to, maybe, maybe a banana uh, for that person that needs it to be a little bit thicker. Maybe it's an avocado, a half an avocado to make it a little bit thicker. Um, blend that up. Again, that's going to be good healthy fats in there with the avocado. So that's the recommended source. Blend that up and then boom, that's the first thing in your morning. Takes five minutes. You can take it on the go, drink it while you're on the on the drive to wherever you're going, and uh, easy nutrition. Um, and it starts to stimulate your metabolism. So you'll also see, you know, a good healthy fat will help you to burn fat. So um, mm. you know, it helps to it helps your metabolism, but also um, 
helps to build lean muscle. And then again, you're not fueling with glucose and everything else. You're not going to necessarily fuel bad cells there and your, uh, your body's going to grab onto that. Awesome. Yeah. We, and, and James and I talk about fasting, um, yep. you know, and it's something we've had a ton of success with, but we also talk about how, you know, the, the first thing that you do eat shouldn't be a uh, nerd rope or, or, you know, or uh, a pop tart or something like that. So I, ner I appreciate ner you saying that. Ner nerd rope. Oh, is that right? Well, good. I'm trying to, I'm trying to rem remind you of the good days. Um, yeah, the good old days. Yeah. I just remember I always would have him in my, in my college dresser. Um, Nick and I were, we met uh, in the college dorm rooms freshman year and then yeah. lived together as sophomores. Um, and right. so that was, I always kind of had a candy drawer. Cause I felt yeah, like yeah. after, you know, I having a hard football practice that that was something I deserved. <laughs> Dude, I had forgotten all about that. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, well, nerd, yeah nerd, rope. it, nerd ropes and um and nfl street was another game and mario kart were that's, other that's things right. that we that's spent right. a lot of time on um how about how about non-specific back pain something we hear a lot in you know it's just strength and conditioning mm -hmm. uh you'll wake up my back hurts i do this my back hurts um you know are there are there protocols to see what is real pain and what is not are there things that you know kind of where do you stand on on that yeah, so there's a, a caveat here. There's there's going to be a difference between hey, I, I I pulled my SI joint, I was doing something stupid, and boom, it, and it just got here and it goes away in a few days on its own. That that's a little bit different from non-specific repetitive back pain uh, that keeps coming back. That's underlying issue that I know if I move a certain way that it's going to go out or something like that. And yet, you know, the medical model doesn't really have a whole lot to say about that except for um, you know strengthen your core. And, uh, and lose some weight, right? Or, or, or go to you know, physical therapy, and if that doesn't work, then we'll do steroid injections, muscle relaxers, anti-inflammatories. When all said and done, then you'll meet with my surgeon. So we know right. that's, a common oh story. That's, that's a common story. But um, you know, so the difference between a nonspecific acute injury, like it just goes away on its own, it heals, versus someone who just, they're still struggling. They just can't figure out what, what's going on there. That's when you need to do some more advanced testing, find out what the underlying cause of the problem is, and, uh, and really put a plan together to correct the issue. Um, the, because the problem is, is that a lot of people are struggling with, you know, let's call it lower back pain, and, uh, and, and they think it's normal because a lot of people around them have it. Mm -hmm. And uh, if it keeps coming back, a reoccurring issue like that, that is not, that might, it might be common, but it's, totally, it's not normal. And so getting to the underlying cause of that now, because the longer that problem is left there, what you find is that the more likely it is to become a chronic issue. If you've ever known anyone who is older with the chronic bad back, there's just no way to live. And that's the person who ends up on opioids and ends up having all kinds of problems and meeting with surgeons and can't golf anymore. And their life just is not good. They can't get on the floor with their grandkids. And that's just not the story that I believe is supposed to happen. So if you get to the underlying cause of it now, start a path of correction, you don't end up going down that route. Yeah, that's excellent. Easy enough answer. Um, the feet, the feet. James and I do a lot of our speed training shoeless. You know, mm -hmm. you can you can feel the ground. We also you believe in grounding, being able to take the energy from the earth and and Love all it. that. Um, talk about how important feet are. Yeah. So, so what you just said right there is something that's it's it's missed for a lot of people is uh, is barefoot. So you have what's called intrinsic muscles of your feet. At the only way that they are actually activated is as actually gripping the ground with your with your toes, and so if we're running running around with our shoes on or even with socks on, even in the house, when we're in our house, you know, shoes off, socks off, grip the ground. Um, getting outside, you know, I had the privilege of um, visiting the Amish uh, this past weekend. Really interesting. <laughs> you ever had a chance to go and uh, visit the Amish? It's really really interesting. Um, I, I I actually learned a lot and gained a lot of insight and perspective. So we pull up and, um, and their kids, there's four of them running around bare feet in the concrete and it's blazing hot outside and they're just happy as clams. And, uh, and they're like running around in, in the, con like the gravel, um, not just concrete, gravel. And they're running around barefoot in the gravel and their kids are just so just like relaxed and looking at you in the eye when they're speaking and just interested in you. They're not they're not they don't have adhd by by any means they're not like looking for the next thing to do they're not bored by any means they're just there and part of it's because they're they're there with you know they're grounding all the time it's just because mm -hmm. of what they do but you also don't see amish with uh with flat feet 
And uh, why do you not see that? It's because of those intrinsic muscles of the feet being utilized and worked. And so when, when, you, when you grip the ground, it develops the arches in your feet. And so the, the more that you can train barefoot and be barefoot, uh, the more that you're going to train your feet, they're going to be strong, they're going to be healthy, they're going to um, grip and really form those arches that you have in your feet and support those arches. Um, but if we don't do that, and we don't do that enough, especially from an early childhood development age, uh, more likely are we to have you know, flatter feet, pronate, end up with knee problems, ends up with hip issues, and, and that creates a whole kinetic chain reaction with the lower back and then eventually shoulder and neck. And so, um, you know, really the, the foundation starts at the feet. So you're saying we can have shoulder injuries from the feet? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. We see it all. How about that? Yeah. A lot, a lot of people don't, don't understand that and then don't understand why James and I are running around with, with socks on and, uh -huh. and no shoes. The problem is we often forget where we put the shoes because, you know, we're running around so much that we forget where we put them once we find them they're back on, but we do a lot of uh, barefoot training. Um, two more quick ones before we get to the, what are we missing in the James, unless you have, unless you have something else, we'll be able to wrap it up and Nick can get back to paradise there. Um, okay. People always say corn is a great vegetable to eat. And they say Gatorade is a great, great sports drink to drink. Can you please debunk those myths for us? Yeah, so within the same token, talking about corn and Gatorade, there's an underlying factor there. Uh, corn is one of the most genetically modified crops outside of soy. So what does that mean to have a, a genetically modified crop? It means we grow up bigger, faster, uh, and more resistant than ever. And what's the downside of that is because we chemically manipulate it and we uh, geoengineer it and, uh, and change its composition there, then we know that it has a negative health reaction within the body. There's been so many studies about genetic modification of food, how it might be, um, it might feed the world. And that's the argument that we can feed the world with genetic modification of food. But for the individual, we have to consider what's good for the individual is good for the whole. And if it's bad for the individual, it's bad for the whole. And if it's bad for an individual to eat a corn that is double the size of what it should be and grown twice as fast as what it should be, then it's probably not good for the whole either. Um, but for that person, that individual who's choosing a different model that, that would, than that which would be um, you know, applied across the board to everyone, um, you want to stay away from things that are genetically modified. So genetic modification of corn, soy, those are the two big, big ones. If you just um, research Dirty Dozen and Clean 15, you'll find out those that are more uh, you know, healthy to eat as far as fruits and vegetables that... Um, not as, not as heavily sprayed, not traditionally chemically modified, genetically modified. Um, those would be like the uh, clean 15 versus the, the dirty dozen that you want to stay away from and buy those, those dirty dozen. You want to make sure you buy those organic 100% of the time. But then you apply that to what all goes in, you know, those genetic modification of corn, then it's subsidized from the government, and then it ends up getting put in just about everything, such as Gatorade. So um, here, here we have the high fructose corn syrup which, you know, the corn manufacturers of America will try to convince you that it's, uh, it's the same as sugar and it's not as harmful as sugar. Um, no, it's, uh, it's actually, when you actually look at the high fructose corn syrup, has a, you're seeing one of the reasons why we have so much type 2 diabetes and, and also obesity in our child and our, our youth uh, with children. And so you look at the, um, what the ingredients are that go into uh, these, uh, you know, Gatorades and everything else, uh, and, and yes, they're, you know, they're changing the names. So you'll see like corn oil and you'll see other different uh, names for this now because high fructose corn syrup has gotten a bad rap. And so they've done a name change and you'll see that changing over time. So again, this is where you have to turn on your brain, be intentional, um, make sure you're plugged in to, you know, natural healthcare. Because again, if you don't keep up with this stuff, if you haven't been keeping up with this in the last six months, then you're way behind because they're changing mm -hmm. it all the time. And you've got to make sure that you're um, staying in tune with this stuff. I used to, as, as a freshman in my dorm, I used to always have like a case of Gatorade and I hardly ever got yeah. to it because my roommates would always take them despite mm -hmm. me not liking that they would take them. <laughs> Joke's on them. Joke's on them. <laughs> <It's actually laughs> on them. Yeah. Joke's on them. Dr. Nick, thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for asking the right questions. Thank you for actually waking up and having the questions that you did so long ago so you can be in the position now um we've talked about so many awesome things and this is one of those podcasts that i think people have to listen to three four five six times and even after the sixth time they'll take away something new every single time um 
there are so many ways that we can go with this question and we'll wrap up with this, but what are we missing, Dr. Nicholas? And what are we missing in, in the industry? And which industry? What do you, what do you mean? So, it, you know, I guess, I guess you are in multiple ones. Um, but, you know, let's, let's talk just health and fitness in general. Uh, wellness, wellness, we'll say. Uh, you know, what are we as general population, general society missing? Yeah, so, you know, the, the reality is, is that when you look at the body, the body is so brilliant. I, I feel like that we've uh, forgotten to honor the body and respect the body. We try to manipulate the body and try to trick the body into health. The, the body really can't be tricked into health. The body needs to just be supported. Um, remove the interference. Let the body do what it's supposed to do because it's always working to try to heal. It's trying to grow and repair and trying to adapt to the environment that we put it in. There's this whole idea of homeostasis, which we learned back in college, but then forget about as we age. And it's just mm -hmm. like the body is way too smart to try to be manipulated or tricked into doing what we think it should do. It's smarter than any doctor that you could ever meet. It's smarter than anyone that you could ever know about. And yet we, we try to um, you know, manipulate it and trick it. And so remove the interference, step out of the way, let the body do what it's supposed to do, and, and then stop fearing what is happening because again, the body is always adapting to its environment and we don't need necessarily fear these things. Um, we just need to trust. And if we have more trust in the body and understanding of the body, then I feel like that most people have more hope. And when you have, when you have your hope, you have your health and when you have your health, you have everything. And so I think that's a big thing. When you have your health, you have everything. That's excellent. Nick, thank you so much for being on next time I'm at home. Next time I'm in Indianapolis, I'm going to have to swing by and, and see how everything's going over there. Uh, we will go ahead and relieve mom of all her duties because she's now for the last hour had the had the kids by herself. So we appreciate Leah for, for doing that <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. us and, and giving you some freedom to be able to do that. Um, again, thank you so much for coming on episode 10, cut off some coffee, James and CT and Dr. Nick Wilson is in the books. Nobody else I'd rather have on episode 10 than the only guy probably on the planet who's ever consistently beat me in Mario Kart on Nintendo 64. So <laughs> Nick, thanks again, man, for swinging by. Um, I'm glad I could link you guys up. And again, if James is ever in the area, we'll have to, we'll have to see if we actually are as healthy as we think we are. Nick Wilson, Dr. Nick Wilson, thank you for coming on. Nick, last thing, where can everybody find you on social media? Yeah, just go to um, Ask Dr. Wilson. So facebook.com slash Ask Dr. Wilson. You can on Instagram, Ask Dr. Wilson there. YouTube, same deal, Ask Dr. Wilson. And please, please, please continue to act Dr. Wilson. Ask Dr. Wilson because he's answering a lot of incredible questions and really important things people need to understand at a time like this. Dr. Nick, thank you again for being on, man. And we will be in touch and have a great rest of your time there at, uh, at the lake. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, man. Freaking, making, doing, makes sense.